Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beer and Money. I am Ryan Burklow. And I'm Alex Jones. And on today's episode, we're going to dive into a topic uh, that might shock a little bit of, of you. Um, well, maybe not actually our listeners, because they're actually listeners because they want to learn about money. But we oftentimes hear people say that they don't like money or they've got some negative connotation about money. And Alex and I actually believe that they don't actually hate money. We think that they hate not being able to make it or keep it based on really what's happened in their life. Yeah, it's some emotional tie or hang up that they have as a result of, of their perception of money, not money itself. And even if you don't hate it, there might be something there that is actually holding you, you back as well. So we're going to dive into some takeaways and, and go into what we mean by that. But before we do, Alex, why don't we talk about our beer of the, beer of the day here? Yeah. So our beer of the day is uh, Devotion. It comes from Lost Abbey down in San Marcos, California. Uh, this is a Belgian-inspired blonde. It's uh, 6% and uh, it's, it's light on the IBUs at uh, just 20. Um, it's the Belgian inspired blonde explains this beer to a T. Yes. Like if you enjoy Belgians and on the, the lighter blonde type side, that's this. I'm, uh, I'm surprised it's as bitter as it is for just having 20 IBUs. Yeah, it's. It's got a little bit of like a Stella Artois type yeah. flavor to it. A um, little bit better finish. I don't know. It, it's pretty solid. It's not. I don't think it's something I could drink um, more than one of personally. Um, sure. But I, it's. I don't know. It's rather tasty for me. Yeah. No. This is a um, a great beer for a, uh, a warm sunny afternoon in the summer. Which one day we'll see. <laughs> uh, it's currently 60 degrees and raining here in Seattle. I know that's a shocker to many of our listeners. So um... <laughs> yeah, the weather's horrible. Don't anybody move here. Exactly. So that's our beer of the day. Let, let's kind of dive into the, the topic here, Alex. So again, kind of re, restarting here. We don't think people actually hate money. We think that they hate not being able to keep it or make it. Yeah, it's the trade-offs that come along with money. Um, it, it's it's how it's being perceived. It's how it makes our loved ones or ourselves act. And, and that could be, you know, having a, a workaholic spouse. It could be being a workaholic ourselves and, and, and having that trade-off between time and money, um, and money always seeming to be the, the thing that is elusive or is, is challenging to accumulate enough of to be comfortable. Yeah, it really goes back to uh, in the more and more you and I talk and, and, and analyze this and, and then obviously engage with our clients. It's amazing our experience, our learned behaviors all comes from the history, right? It could be from our parents, could be from our great, our grandparents. It could be from our great, great, great grandparents because they pass it along to their children and then to their children and there to their children. Or it could just be from our personal experiences when we were, you know, in our teens or early twenties, depending upon 
what our experience is or was around money is going to shape us dramatically. And, and, and also our parents' uh, experiences along that same time frame of what was it something that your parents fought about? Was it something that was a scarce commodity or was there an abundance of it? How easy or challenging was it for you to, to accumulate it? Yeah. I mean, quick story. When, when, when I got out of college, right. Like many of you that probably said this, these exact same words, like I think many of us did, especially uh, in my age demographic, you know, I'm uh, the eclipse at 40 mark, um, which my wife reminds me a lot of, but it, when I got out of college, like literally the first thing I, t- I remember telling my parents and even my grandparents, I said that I wanted to make sure that I retired early, right? I even defined it and said like 55 or 50 or something like that, <laughs> right? But in that very same breath, if I saw someone driving a really nice luxury car, right? And, and I'm talking like the Ferrari luxury car. I'm not talking like the Mercedes, although Mercedes, I, I realize make an expensive car as well. And then if that person got out of the car and was wearing like a Rolex or an Omega watch, like that again was another sign of wealth at that mine. So I had two, I was conflicting myself from the get-go, right? Like, did I want the luxuries and that those signs of wealth or did I actually want to retire early? And can you do both a hundred percent early on in life? it's hard to do both. Like for me to go buy a Rolex that same year and save money so that I can retire at the age of 55, a little hard to do. Yeah. Those, those are definitely competing goals that wouldn't allow you to, to do the same. They, that one is going to allow you to, to have success in one place and the other is going to ha- allow you to have success in another place. It all just depends on how you define success. Right. Right. And so like diving even deeper to that, you know, for whatever reason in my head and and the way that I perceived wealth at that moment was these luxury items. Yet that really in the grand scheme of things, if I was holding true to myself in terms of truly wanting to be able to retire at age 55 or not having to work, that's a different sign of wealth. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really interesting kind of the, the differences that we had and at the same time, somewhat similarities. Like my big thing was making sure that I was financially independent from from my parents. Um, There were a bunch of friends that uh, and and family that I knew that were still financially dependent upon their parents upon graduation. They were getting help with rent, they were helping with student loans, they they were trying to figure out like how and where to get a job and things of that nature. Um, I graduated right during the middle of the, the uh, dot-com burst and the, the financial turmoil that resulted from that. And, and so, you know, just creating financial independence for myself and being out on my own and self-sustaining was, was really the thing that drove, that drove me. Right. So it doesn't have to be a negative connotation necessarily around money, but what we're getting at here is our different experiences and different wants are driven from family dynamics from that experience, maybe with family or what we see other members doing to the family. Right. So what do we do about this? Well, the first takeaway, and this is the biggest takeaway is 
it's analyze your relationship with money. And I, I want to, that's what Alex and I kind of typed out here as, as the biggest takeaway. And I don't want I want to take the word analyze out. What, what I really mean by that is think about what it, think about your recent transactions with money. Think about what your, your knee jerk reaction when you see a luxury car, what does that oftentimes relate to? Is it a negative feeling or is it a positive feeling? Yeah. What are the emotions that you have going through yourself when, when there's a big monetary purchase, whether it's seeing somebody else with a a luxury item, travel, a new car, a new home, whatever else, or when you recently spent whatever a significant amount of money is for you, like what were your, how were, how were you feeling as a result of that? What were your own emotional reactions to that? And they could One be positive. Sorry, they go could ahead. be positive. They could be negative. One other, and maybe you're about to go here, Alex. I was in this boat. I'll call myself out where I was a, I, I had a positive relationship with the money, but I was also a know-it-all. Meaning I thought <laughs> that I knew enough about money to make decisions where I wasn't going to, even if you showed me your credentials and showed me your wealth that you currently had, I was still naive enough to think that I know just as much as you and I'll be better than you. Sure. And I'm not saying that there aren't people out there that exist like that, but that also put up blinders around what I wasn't seeing that I should have been seeing, right? Like what you don't know, you should know. Yeah, I mean, where I was going to go with this is is money is not inherently good or bad. It, it is a tool. And it's all about how we use that tool that makes it either good or bad. You know, if we, if we hoard it and uh, create uh, desire and greed and, and these negative emotions that go along with that, well, that, that's not healthy. If we you know, just completely live for today and, and give everything away exact opposite. That's not necessarily good either, because then we don't have, you know, security and stability and things of that nature. Um, so it, it, it really takes balance and it's really just, a, like I said, it's a tool. It's not good or bad in and of itself. It's what we choose to do with money that, that makes it good or bad. Yeah, which actually perfect segue to takeaway number two here is the education around money, right? What is that education, right? And we're not suggesting you go get licensed appropriately and and become (laughs) a financial advisor necessarily, but two things. A, are you trying to further your knowledge? And B, where are you getting that knowledge from? Yeah, understanding what the biases are inherent in wherever you're receiving your information. And also understanding like where our own weaknesses and gaps are in our knowledge. It's it's really sad, but there's two are two main sources of of knowledge when we're growing up are school and home. And in most homes, money is one of those taboo topics that we just don't talk about 
for fear of creating an argument or, or, or having it be this topic that nobody touches and, and we're not going to get straight answers and things of that nature. And the other place being school, school for the most part really just does not have a strong financial education in, in, in the foundation at all. No, so that that education around money is huge and where you're getting it from is huge, right? I'm sorry, taking the the money advice from your uncle who doesn't have any may not be your best decision. And Alex, I see you laughing, but think about it from this perspective. Your uncle might be a very close person to you. They might have your best interest at heart and that doesn't mean that they're the person you should listen to when it comes to money because they haven't, if it's really good advice, why haven't they taken it themselves? And full disclosure, we apologize to all the uncles out out there who do a (laughs) tremendous job of managing their finances and building wealth. I always pick on the uncles, right? So it is what it is. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, you're you're hundred percent right. It's understanding what the background of where the information is that that we're taking in from. Is it the financial news where the only thing they're trying to do is attract eyeballs? Is it, uh, you know, somebody who's trying to sell a book or sell a product or sell a service or educate, like what, where are they coming from and why are they saying and doing what they're doing? And then secondly, are they willing to open up their own situation and show you what they're doing? Are they putting their money where their mouth is? That might be the, the bigger takeaway because I think about all the different people just in my life that I may, that I did take some version of financial advice from that. I'm not sure looking back on it was bad advice necessarily, but it also wasn't the best advice at times in my life. And they don't, and again, it's not that they meant any harm. Like in general, it, it wasn't bad advice. It, it was bad advice in that time at like in my life, right? Like you can, but there's all these like statements out there about like, you should save money in your 401k. That's really good advice in general, except, okay, is that, are you talking to a 50 year old? Or are you talking about a 21 year old that just graduated from school that doesn't have a savings account yet? And has a mountain of student debt. Like what, what are the rest of the circumstances? And like when, when we just take these blanket pieces of advice that have no context to them, like there's, there's no oh, well, this is your situation? Oh, okay. Well, then based on your situation, you should do X. Like Without understanding the underlying context, there is no blanket advice or there's very little blanket advice, I should say. So these different experiences lead to our relationship with money, which takes us to the question of the day, Alex. Our question today is, how was your relationship with money formed? What drove those connections and, and how do you think about money? Positively, negatively, or some mixed bag? So head over to beerandmoney.net. At the bottom of that page, there's a spot for you to either answer that question of the day or feel free to reach out to us with any other questions that you may have. As always, we hope this episode was valuable. 
and Mr. Collins. Cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Quantified Financial Partners, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax legal or accounting advice. Consult your tax legal or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors at Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 333 North Indian Hill Boulevard, Claremont, California, 91711. Telephone 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Brian Burklow, AR Insurance License Number 1531942. CA Insurance License Number 0K24924. Alexander Collins, AR Insurance License Number 7264699. CA Insurance License Number 0H24806 Pinpoint Number 2021-123021 Expiration June 2023